0: What's going on, Mile City family and friends? Listen, I'm excited to be able to share with you today. My name is David Clark and I am a church planner apprentice here at Mile City. I've had the opportunity to be trained and equipped here for the launch of the Seed Church. Listen, we're 15 weeks away of launching the Seed Church in the city of Roseville. My prayer is that if you know anybody, maybe it's a coworker or relative, someone in your family, if you would just pray about connecting them with us, we want to connect with them. Therefore, get them connected to a biblical-based community and get them to check us out. Well, is anybody excited to be here as we continue our series, Mark on Rewind? I I thought I would rewind and take us back to the 80s, and show us a clip of a show that came out back in 1980. It's called, That's Incredible. That's Incredible! Good evening, I'm John Davidson. You'll be meeting these men. They're the world's most incredible talkers. I'm Kathy Lee Crosby. This is Jim Bullet Bailey. He'll be dragged down the track while holding on to this metal sled to over 160 miles an hour. I'm Fran Tarkin. <laughs> Weeks ago, we showed you exclusive footage of the heroic rescue operation performed by the Air Force at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas. You'll meet some of the men who flew that courageous mission. On tonight's edition of... That's Incredible. That's Incredible is a TV show that first aired in the 80s. So if you're like me, who was born in the latter part of the 80s, um, you probably don't know what that show is about. But let me tell you, YouTube is amazing. I actually typed in the search bar, that's incredible. And I got a chance to watch a full episode. And let me tell you, that TV show lives up to its name. It's incredible. It's incredible. I actually got distracted by watching it. But I showed you this clip because it shows real people doing real things and it seems impossible. Because if we're to be honest, we like to see impossible things become real. Like we like to see when people overcome when the odds are stacked against them. Just recently I watched a, a, a clip On today's show of a man by the name of Daryl Harrison who was just a passenger on a plane. He takes charge when he sees the pilot passes out due to heart complications. Daryl, with no flight experience, gets into the pilot seat, takes charge, and he lands the plane. Talking about the impossible made possible, Mark, the book of Mark, is full of impossible feats where we see Jesus causing impossible situations to become possible. We see Jesus when he restores the sight of a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus. We see Jesus do the impossible when he takes two fish and five loaves of bread and he feeds 5,000 people. We see Jesus do the impossible in Mark chapter 6 when he literally walks on water, Over and over, time after time, we continually see Jesus turn what seems to be impossible into things that are made possible. But what about you? What about your life? Are you facing anything that's impossible? Maybe you're dealing with something that seems incredibly difficult and painful, Or maybe you're dealing with a situation that seems like it's never ending. Or maybe you you have endured a traumatic experience in life where you don't feel the way that you used to feel. Just take a look at the world around us. At times, it seems as if the world is so full of things that are impossible. Maybe, maybe, maybe you have faced a sickness and the sickness feels unbearable. Or you might have dreams of going to your idea school, but it seems so far off. And it's like, wow, will I ever get into that school of my dreams? The world around us is full of impossibles. But in today's text, Mark chapter 5, we will look at three impossible situations that Jesus makes possible. But before we get there, let me pray for us. God, we thank you for another opportunity to dive into your word. I pray, God, that you would give me clarity of mind, fluidity of speech, remove me out of the way, use me as a vessel. We pray, God, that your word reaches someone and uh, remind them that you are a God that can make things possible. I seal this prayer in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have a copy of your scriptures, I ask that you would open your Bible to Mark chapter 5. There we will begin our reading, Mark chapter 5. And it reads like this. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him a man with an unclean spirit. Jesus and his disciples have just entered into the country of Gerasene, which is a large Gentile territory, a territory made up of non-Jewish people. And this is important because Jesus was Jewish by lineage. And in that time, Jewish people usually didn't associate with non-Jewish people. In fact, Gentiles were considered to be unclean. Yet, we see Jesus extending his ministry to reach the Gentile community, the unclean people. What do we learn from this? Jesus' ministry... It's not just for the Jewish people, but Jesus' ministry is for the Gentiles, the unclean people. Jesus didn't just come to save the powerful, but he came to save the least. Jesus is not just for those who are well, but his ministry extends to those who are sick. Jesus' ministry is to reach those who deemed unreachable. And where does Jesus' ministry take him to? He enters into Gerasene, a place where most people would stay away from, and he is now met by a man with an unclean spirit. Based on the Levitical law, this man was unclean in a ceremonial sense. Therefore, the law stated that if anyone was unclean, you would need to abstain or stay away from that kind of person. So now we see this man who meets Jesus. This man has been influenced by demonic forces. He has been violent and the people in his community could no longer restrain him. The chains that his community once put around him were no longer strong enough for the text tells us that he broke the chains in pieces. He made his living amongst tombs day and night. This demon-possessed man went through the tombs and he went up into the mountains crying out and cutting himself with stone. You can say this man was in a dark and struggling place. Night and day, he went through the tombs and up to the mountains, crying out and cutting himself. This man was weighed down. He wasn't sleeping. He's crying out. He's cutting himself, which is an indicator this guy was desperately trying to relieve himself of the negative emotions and pain which we we see that demons can oppress us, but they can't possess us. As Christians, this is a good reminder that we cannot be possessed by demons because we have decided to put our faith in Jesus. And I want to remind someone that, yes, demon possession is real. When you consider or when I consider even the tragic event that just took place in Uvalde, Texas where 10 innocent children and two two teachers were gunned down, it's a reminder that demon oppression is real. But as a believer, but as believers we have hope, we have have good news that just like the demon-possessed man in Mark chapter 5, the good news is that Jesus showed up. Jesus is available. Jesus shows up to where this man is and the, the, this man's life started to change for the better. I, I want to remind us and, and let us know that when we lean into the power and authority of Jesus... We experience the liberating power of the Savior, that Jesus' mission and ministry was to defeat the powers of Satan. 1 John 3 and 8 says it like this, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And if you need any more evidence, let's look at John chapter 10, verse 10, where it reads like this, The thief only comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Can I ask you this question? What areas does the Savior need to have victory over your life? Get this. After the crowd saw the demon-possessed man clothed and in his right mind, the crowd begged Jesus to leave their region. As we were talking about Mark on Rewind and in light of the resurrection, I wonder what the crowd must have thought after the resurrection when they begged Jesus to leave their region. They pushed him away, but yet this is the same man that has the power to raise himself up from the grave. The story then begins to pick up in verse 21, and it reads as follows that, And when Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Jesus and his disciples get back into the boat and head across the sea again where they are met by a synagogue leader by the name of Jairus. Jairus, he makes his way to Jesus because his daughter is at the point of death and he feels like if Jesus comes and touches my daughter, that she would have a chance to live. But shortly after Jairus approaches Jesus, the narrative begins to change. We're introduced to a woman who has been suffering from a blood hemorrhage for 12 long years. And the story picks up like this in verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians. And she had spent all that she had, and was no better, but grew worse. This woman has reached a point of desperation. We see the woman. This woman is in a desperate place. She has been dealing with non-stop bleeding for 12 long years and according to the Levitical law we won't look at it today but Leviticus chapter 15 verses 25 through 30 this woman was considered to be unclean she went to doctor after doctors but she was let down every time that she approached a doctor She goes to one doctor and she presents her case and her condition, but that doctor can't figure out how to stop the bleeding. So he sends her to another doctor and that doctor can't figure out what's going on. So she goes to another doctor and that doctor cannot figure out what's going on. And on top of that, the Bible says that she spent all the money she had. Can you imagine going back and forth? To doctor after doctor. Your primary care physician can't figure out what's going on with you, so he sends you to another doctor, and that doctor has no clue what's going on. You're constantly bleeding. You're sick. No money, no answers. You're getting worse. She has reached a point of desperation. This woman, she has suffered physically, mentally, She has suffered financially. She spent everything she had, and she was left with no hope. The definition of desperation is this. Desperation is defined as a loss of hope or a great need that can make you act irrational. She has tried everything possible with no results to show And she got got worse. Maybe somebody tuned in has had a similar experience like the woman in the text where you have suffered from something that has been draining you. Have you ever been in a relationship that drains you? What I've discovered about desperation oftentimes if it's not funneled through the right lens, desperation will drive you to a point where you will try just about anything to be made better. It's unfortunate, but for some, maybe you have tried every other place. You, you've tried to go every place. Or, or maybe you tried the wrong stuff. Some have tried drugs, trying to escape the pain that is felt in the moment. The drugs may numb you for a moment, but when you come down, the pain is there again. Or maybe somebody has tried alcohol, and you tried it until you passed out, but then you woke up, and you probably had a hangover, and once you came down, the issues of life were still there. Or maybe you tried to overwork yourself, working around the clock to escape from something in life. But when you go home, you're by yourself, you still have to deal with the problems of life. And Just like this woman, you've tried everything, you you went everywhere, and things are not getting better, but things are actually getting, getting worse. Maybe you have reached a place of desperation. What we find out is that desperation is not always bad. Desperation is not bad when desperation leads you towards Jesus. This woman, after trying everything, she reached a point of rock bottom, but she heard a good report. Verse 27 says this. She had heard the report about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said... If I touch his garments, I will be made well. We don't know exactly what she heard, but we can imagine. Maybe she heard about Jesus' miraculous power of feeding thousands. Or maybe she heard about how he healed other sick people. We don't know the report that she received, but it was enough for her to gain the faith to break through the crowd and touch the garments of Jesus. There's this quote that Warren Wiersbe quotes, and I love it. It says this, Jesus responds to faith no matter how feeble it is. What I've discovered about faith is that not everybody has the same level of faith. Some people have massive levels of faith, while other people may have a small degree of faith. But guess what? Regardless of if you have big faith or small faith, God responds to your faith. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, You say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. I want to remind someone who may have tuned in on today and maybe you feel like you don't have enough faith. I want to tell you, you have faith. Whether you consider your faith to be small faith or big faith, you have faith. Faith and God responds to your faith. Faith is is always it's, it's greater than our fears. And that's the the, the quote that I, I love. Faith is always greater than your fears. I have this question for you. Where do you need to be more desperate for Jesus? Where in your life should you be more desperate for Jesus? Maybe it's in your prayer life or reading the word of God. Where can you be more desperate for Jesus? The story picks back up in verse 35 and 36, and it says this. While he was still speaking, there came some from the ruler's house, some who said, your little daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. At this point, we see where there is a delay. Because in, in verse 22, it starts us off introducing us to Jairus, who has come to plead for Jesus to touch his daughter. And as Jesus and Jairus are headed towards his home, the desperation of a woman interrupts the narrative. And now there is this delay. Jairus, he has to stand around and watch this woman get healed while his daughter is at home dying. He's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. Then some people Come from his home and says to him, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Leave Jesus alone. Why bother him any further? But Jesus heard what they said and he responds to Jairus and he says, do not fear. Only believe. I, I, I was thinking about this, and I don't, I don't know about you, but when the woman came up and, and took over the story, if I was Jay Iris and I had a daughter at home dying, I think I probably would have grew impatient. If I had a daughter at home dying and this lady comes and takes over this, the narrative, I, I, I think I probably would have lost faith in Jesus. I'm sure there was a moment where Jairus was thinking, lady, what are you doing? What is going on? And he has to sit by and watch this woman get healed, while his daughter is wasting away. But what we see is that Jairus does not respond impatient. He remains patient and he goes with the flow. Have you ever experienced a moment in life where you have been praying and praying and asking God for an answer? I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you have been asking God for an answer, but it always seems as if God responds to someone else before he gets to your request. You, you, can, you, can, you can be honest, maybe you have been praying earnestly for something, down on bending knees, seeking God for the answer, but it seems like God always has you on delay and never responds to you immediately. And you look around and he is at work answering the prayers of other people. If this is you, I want to remind you, sometimes delay is a part of God's design. Sometimes delay is a part of God's design. That you can be honest, no one signs up for delay. No no one wants to wait. We want everything to happen immediately. We, we, We have microwaves because we want our food to be warm fast. We have Netflix so we can watch our shows on demand. And I don't know, but as I'm thinking about J. Iris just standing around, I'm sure he wasn't there joyfully uh, while his daughter was at home dying, but we see that J. Iris stayed the course and he remained patient. J. Iris waited for God. Delay is, sometimes makes us uncomfortable. I remember a few months back, I was at the Atlanta airport waiting on my flight to board. We get to the airport, because if you know anything about Atlanta Airport, it's one of the busiest airports in America. And uh, I get there early, and I get there about two hours early, and I'm waiting on my flight to take off. And we get close to when the flight is supposed to uh, board, but the intercom comes on, and someone says, flight number such and such is delayed just so happened it was our flight. It was my flight. So I've been there, I was at the airport two hours early, but then the person on the intercom tells us we have to wait another two hours in order to get back home. I had already been at the airport and I was already moving impatiently at times and I was ready to get back home. But the reality was we were not getting on that plane. And sometimes that's the reality of life where you have to be delayed. Yes, I was ready to come home, but I didn't get angry. Because I knew that even though I was delayed, it didn't mean that I would not get back home. Yes, I had things to do, but I had to wait. And it taught me a lesson that sometimes we must submit to God's timing. Come to find out, there was a storm in the northern states that the, the, the roadway was icy and the, lane, the plane would not have been able to land properly if it would have took off at the, the right time. Which taught me a, a vital lesson to submit to the timing of God. Oftentimes, God is protecting us in areas. You may be in a season right now where you feel like God has you in a moment of waiting. You feel delayed. Maybe you're in a season where you're waiting on God. Seasons of delay can cause us to be impatient. It can cause us to get angry. It can cause us to doubt. But I want to remind you in seasons of delay, remember that God is always present. You might be in this moment now. I don't know. But I want to challenge you with this question, with these two questions. Is delay causing you to doubt? Or is delay increasing your faith in Jesus? Two, What lessons can you learn in delay? Sometimes it's necessary for us to go through moments of delay. God has a way of using delay to strengthen our faith and trust in him. I just want to recap for a moment what we talked about today. We talked about demons, desperation, and delay. We learn from the man possessed with a demon that when Jesus entered to where he was, Jesus becomes victorious over his demonic influence, and he has victory. What areas in your life does the Savior need to have victory over your life? Desperation. Desperation. There was a woman who went to doctor after doctor, spent all that she had. She reached a point of rock bottom, but her desperation pointed her to Jesus. Where do you need to be more desperate for Jesus? But then we see the delay of Jairus. Jairus continued to walk with Jesus. Ultimately, his daughter was healed. What lessons should you be learning in your moments of delay? At this moment, I, I want to invite you to receive the Son of God. The one who can make impossible possible. The one who shows us that he has full power and authority over Demons, he can deliver you in moments of desperation, and he can deliver you in your delay. Maybe you tuned in and you want to receive Jesus Christ, that relationship where Jesus has victorious, has victory over our lives. I want us to say this prayer, and it's a simple prayer. If you don't mind, close your eyes and repeat after me. Lord, I thank you for being the creator of the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything within. Lord, I admit I have sinned, I have fallen short, I've made mistakes. God, forgive me of my sins, forgive me of my mistakes. Lord, I thank you for dying in my place. But Lord, I rejoice that your resurrection power has given me new life and I no longer have to be weighed down by sin. Thank you, Father, for salvation. Seal this prayer. Amen. Hey, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, we don't want you to do life alone. Here, we believe that you should be a part of a healthy community. What you can do at this moment is text faith move to 94,000, put your faith in Jesus Christ, and someone from our staff would reach out to you because we want to make sure you have a relationship with Jesus.